Loving Father, we thank you for blessing us with this beautiful Sabbath day where we can continue to worship and praise your name. We ask that you'll be with us as we study your testimonies. Bless us and lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so um, I'm not sure how many of you have heard of the shaking before, but does anyone wish to explain what their thoughts are on that term, the shaking? Well, it's my understanding that it is uh, a time in our Earth's history when there are those who are nominal Christians that will leave the church because they won't be able to uh, persecution and that kind of thing will arise and they are not interested in that. And then others, though, who will hear the gospel, uh, who are not now aware of some of the, the, the truths of the gospel will come into the church. Hmm. Okay. Anyone else have a thought on what the shaking means? Let's look at this uh, paragraph, first paragraph. We're on page 172 in the paperback book. And again, that's chapter 12. It says, church membership is no guarantee of salvation. Is that a surprise to you? It says that it's a solemn statement that not one in 20 whose names are registered on the church books are prepared to close their earthly history. So not one in 20 church members is ready to see Christ return. And you know, if you've ever tried to have a, a time at your church where you want to clear out the church roles and you get so much opposition <laughs> from people and they don't want to do it because they really think that if a person's name is on the church roll, that that's a guarantee of their salvation in heaven. But church membership is not a guarantee of salvation. Okay, so it says also those who have had opportunity to hear and receive the truth and have united with the SDA church, calling themselves commandment people of God, yet possess no more vitality and consecration to God than nominal churches will receive the plagues of God just as much as the churches who oppose the law of God. How do you feel hearing that sentence? Well, it's kind of frightening, really. Um, but, um, you know, that again deals with professed Christians. And um, we know that we are the church of Laodicea. And we know that there are some things that the, that the, that the true witness has counseled us about. And we're going to have to take heed to that counsel if we don't want to be among those that receive the plagues. Okay, anyone else? How does that make you feel hearing that? Basically, those Christians who are not fully committed to God will receive the plagues just as as much as those who directly oppose God's law. Let me ask you this question. Have you uh, remember the parable? Uh, hey, Lee, I got something on that one. Okay, go ahead, Percy. Uh, in terms of how it makes you feel, I can't speak for any, anybody else but me, but I, you know, what it does do for me is it gives me a more hunger and thirst to want to search and, and be sure of what I'm, I'm learning. And I can, there's no way I can just 100% say, you know, I'm covered, but... Mm -hmm. I believe that as long as I'm doing everything that God has driven and shown me to do, I will be okay. But for me to say that it doesn't affect me and not wanting to study more and become even more closely united, that would be false. So that's what it does for me. Okay. When you think about your own church, we're all in different churches. When you think of your own church, are you ever concerned that there are certain people that you see who might not be fully committed to Christ, and yet they come each and every week. What do you do about that? Well, you're going to have to, uh, you have to pray. We have to pray for each other. Mm -hmm. You do your best to try and encourage them to be faithful, and you have to first be an example yourself. And mm -hmm. uh, hopefully that will encourage them to be faithful. Okay. 
The Bible says that the chaff will be separated from the wheat. When should we start mm -hmm. doing that? When should we start doing it? <laughs> it's not our job to do it. <laughs> hey, I'm with Karen. That's not our job. <laughs> <laughs> Whose job? Whose job is it? Isn't it the elders and the pastor's job nope. to separate nope. the chaff from the wheat? Nope. Definitely not. Don't even try to put that on us. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, is that, is that like Lee? Is that I like wouldn't want question? that job. <laughs> Is that, like say, that question? Is that like that question? When did you stop beating your wife? <laughs> 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 or, or the question is, have you stopped beating your wife? That's 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 the proper way to say it. So either way you either way you said you incriminate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting that many people do take it upon themselves to try and determine who's chaff and who's wheat, but we don't have that type of discernment, do we? That's no. left up to the Holy Spirit oh, no. to do that. You know, and many times I like I like the phrase because Lakita and I like to fish a lot, where God says, you catch them, I'll clean them. But mm -hmm. many times we want to catch a man clean them. That's not our duty. The chaff and the wheat shall grow together. And the reason why is chaff looks just like wheat until you put it in the wind and the wind starts blowing around. Then it separates. You know, I had a very interesting visual one time and somebody said, you know, when you drag the bottom of the ocean, you get all kinds of stuff that, that <laughs> comes up in the net, you know. And so you but you can't assume if, if, if you're dealing with people like you said, Lee, you can't assume who's what, who's, you know, who's clean and unclean or what's clean and unclean. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Now, it's interesting that when the wind blows, you know, when you think about a house built on rock versus a house on sand, you can't tell the difference until the wind blows and the storms come. So when the wind mm -hmm. starts blowing in life and the storms come, the time of trouble, that's when the wheat and chaff will be separated. We don't have to do it. It's going to happen. God's going to take mm -hmm. care of it. It says uh, on page 173, we're in the shaking time, the time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the Lord will not mm -hmm. excuse those who know the truth if they do not in word and deed obey his commands. Why is that important that the Lord would not excuse those who know the truth if they do not in word and deed obey his commands? Because they had every opportunity to obey, especially if they know and they just choose to do something else. And obedience indicates um, a relationship with God. In order to obey God, you have to know him. You have to, you know, have some communication and understanding with God. So that's, if you don't have any understanding of God, you're not going, you're not going to be in his, you know, going to heaven with him and spending time with him there. You're not going to start a relationship in heaven. It needs to be here already before you ever leave heaven on earth. I mean. Hmm. Anyone else comment on that? What's the most, you see the definite article in there, word and deed. Why can't I be a Christian in word only? That should count for something. Well, by definition, a Christian is being Christ-like. Too many have a veneer. You know, it looks good on the outside. Like they, uh, I noticed they would put a lot of sight. At one, at one time, siding was very popular. And I would see these contractors going out and they would put this nice vinyl siding over rotten wood. Mm. And people think they got a nice, beautiful new home when just in a few years, stuff is going to start falling down. But the Christian has to be solid through and through. God says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. You're going to either be on God's side or Satan's side. You can't serve two masters. And in time, through the trials, the fiery trials, that's going to determine whose side you're really on. Hmm. Hmm. Anyone else? Also on, yeah, also on that, when you're talking about uh, through word and word only, I mean, you can be a mini- of things through word and word only. It doesn't define nor identify truly who you are because your heart 
it, it, it can be just as black as black can be, but you can speak a good word. That's what Satan does. I mean, he knows the word better than any of us, and yet he is the the the, the definition of evil. So. Okay. Jesus told the disciples, he, I mean, the Pharisees, he said, you honor me with your lips, but your mm. heart is far from me. You know, Mercy. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say if you, mm -hmm. if you don't want to go to hell, keep them. He said, if you love me, he says that explicitly, keep my commandments. Implicitly, he's saying, if you don't love me, you won't even want to keep them. It's impossible. That's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. And also we know that faith without works is dead. So it takes both uh, faith in God, faith in his word, and also obedience to his word, not mm -hmm. just in one or the other. It takes both for us to be fully committed Christians, not only knowing the Lord's will, but also doing it. Uh, we're talking about the shaking. It says persecution cleanses the church. Uh, Lakita wrote a really nice song about the shaking. This was several years ago, and and I'll just, uh, let's see, it's, the Lord is going to sift us. Yes, he is. He's going to sift and shake us. Yes, he is. He's going he's gonna, to uh, clean up his church. So the shaking is cleaning up God's church, right? It's getting rid of the chaff. It's getting rid of those who are not fully, faithfully believing in God, and it's keeping the ones who accept him truly. So that there will come a time where people are going to be coming and going out of the church. You know, our job as Christians is to go out, win souls for Christ. How do you think you're going to feel when some of the people that you bring in or some of the people who are already in church are shaken out of the church? How would that make you feel as a person? Especially if you're the one that kind of helped bring them in. Well, I think sad, the normal human reaction is sad. I mean, you know, I, I know that, and I'll speak for myself, when you are, are trying to witness to someone and they just really don't have any interest, that kind of makes you sad. But when you right. have someone in the church that, um, you know, is there and then they leave, it really makes you sad. I have a friend that was, you know, a Sabbath keeper for years and now she's a Sunday keeper. And I don't understand it, but I understand the word of God that, you know, that there will be some shaken out and others will join in. Well, you remember when Jesus, when he cried at the sight of um, the people who didn't believe when Lazarus died, he didn't cry because Lazarus went to sleep. He cried because he wept because of the, the disbelief, the unbelief. Mm -hmm. So sad. You're going to mourn those who are lost. Why can't we just hold them and make them stay in the church? <laughs> we know they want to believe, right? We know they love the Lord. Why can't we just hold them and make them stay in the church? Well, well Jesus doesn't even hold our hands or twist us to, to love him. <laughs> For those who do believe. So why you know, would we do that to the ugly? You know, this reminds me of um, alcoholism. You know, the in an alcoholic family, who is the healthiest person in the family? And it's the addict. The drug addict is the healthiest person. And the reason the drug addict is the healthiest is because he knows he's sick. He knows where he stands. Are we, I'm not for sure if we need to mourn those who are leaving the church because they know where they stand. Those who are in the church and who are lost in the church, who we are sitting on these pews, each of us in the church, and we, are we lost? Now, we're not mourning each other because we see each other, but that does not make us saved. So, you know, I don't, I have no real, no real, um, place or feeling about people not being in the church, I always encourage everybody to pray because the important thing is that people have a relationship with God. That is the most important thing is that they are connected to God. And then God can do something when people have some connection with him. He can't do anything when people are not connected. We don't know who's connected. 
We have no clue just because we're sitting here. I mean, not here, but there on the pews doesn't mean we're connected. And that's, that's a tragedy. Okay. That's an excellent point. Relationship is what it's about because we can look at each other and look at other people in the church and we just think uh, they must be a true Christian. They, I know this person loved the Lord, but only God knows our hearts, right? And that's what matters to him is do we truly love him? Do we accept him? Do we keep his word and obey his commandments? Or are we just giving him lip service and not truly life service? If you are not committed, if you don't have that relationship, as soon as persecution starts, you're going to fall out of the church because it's just not worth your time. It's not worth your effort to put up with what you're going to have to put up with. Uh, one thing that Elder uh, Elder Brooks uh, used to say is, or Cleveland used to say is that there's a lot of people who say when persecution starts, then I'm really going to start witnessing in earnest. But that's not how it works. The, the witnessing brings on the persecution, not the other way around. So we need to be out witnessing for Christ, telling others about his soon return, that will bring on the persecution. I have a question about persecution. So is persecution, remember the martyrs from uh, back in you know, a long time ago in the early church that was persecuting, the uh, Christians were persecuted. So my question today is, are we talking about that type of persecution or what, what type of persecution are we talking about that's going to lead God's people out of church that may call them to fall from the church? Is it us well, persecuting we each other? We know <laughs> that the scriptures tell us that there's going to be a time when we can neither buy nor sell. And so, you know, unless, except we have the mark of the beast and there are people that are going to say, well, yeah, I got to eat and I got to feed my family and I got to, 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 and, and not trusting in God for those things. They're trusting in themselves and trusting in man. And so, you know, that's the type of, of, of persecution. Now, of course, you know, you, the spirit of prophecy also talks about there's some going to be some that are killed, some that are going to be imprisoned. You know, so, yes, that's that's going to be part of it also. But I think the largest majority are going to be those that just go along with the rank and file because, well, I got to eat. Well, I got to have food. I got to have a house. I got to I got to I got to I got to. <laughs> but is it is it possible to have different layers of persecution like for example can our personal trials be considered as a form of persecution that may shake us out of the church even trials you know with each other in the church you know um can, can that be considered like like COVID-19 you know some people you know may give up their hold on God because somebody they know loved and love died you know so that's the my, what my question is there's a difference between uh, persecution and the shaking. But um, the Bible says those that choose to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Okay. Somebody, I think somebody else is talking on the phone. Mute your phone if you're not directly asking the question or speaking, please. Christina, I think you had something. Anyone else? Persecution? Can you just have a, if if you and I have a disagreement, is that persecution? Should I fall out of church because of that? People do. It depends on, it depends on the individuals that's involved. Some do consider it persecution. But as Paul alluded to earlier, when you're talking about persecution in terms of the shaking, there are, there are two different uh, identities there. They're not the same. And isn't it the shaking will happen at the end? Not, I mean, not at the end, but it's when God is cleansing his church. It's a specific time, I always thought. Persecution can happen a long life journey. Okay. Tori, you look like you have something to say. <laughs> okay. Let's look over on uh, page 174. Some of these questions will be answered as we read a little further, and hopefully you've read this in advance. 
uh, superficial believers will renounce the faith. Again, it goes back to, as Lakita was saying, our relationship. If we have a superficial relationship, uh, not a not a fully uh, founded on Christ, rock solid relationship, then anything could drive you out of the church. Literally, you know, if a person comes up to you and says, "Oh, that's I don't like that hat you're wearing," you know, if you're not rooted and grounded in Christ and you're superficial, that could cause you to leave the church. Or if someone asks you to uh, volunteer or participate on a church committee or that maybe the pastor and the treasurer or first elder come to you and ask, you know, are you doing okay with tithe and offer? We noticed that things aren't uh, as they used to be. That could drive you out of the church, but that's not necessarily the shaking. It's got to be a, uh, the foundation has to be on Christ so that if you are rock solid with Christ, when the shaking comes in earnest, the time of trouble hits, you're still going to be able to lean upon Christ and you won't be shaken out. But one thing that's mentioned to us is that now we have opportunity to go out and reach other people, to spread the gospel, to knock on doors, to hand out flyers, to have prayer meetings, to open up uh, uh, revivals, etc. And if we don't do it now, when the opportunity is good, we're going to have to do it during the time of trouble when it gets tough and when it gets tight and when people are locking church doors and threatening your life, we need to be moving now not wait until that time period when persecution really commences. What we can't, what we don't do or what we fail to do now in times of peace, we're going to have to do in times of persecution and trouble. So we don't want to just sit back and talk a good show, but as we just read, we want to be uh, faithful in word and indeed actually doing God's wills. As things start to thicken, trials thicken around us, separation, separation and unity will be seen in the church ranks because persecution can drive some people out, but it will also drive people closer together. If you, uh, if you notice, one of the ways that especially African-Americans come together is when there's a crisis. A lot of African-American families are crisis-oriented. You know, you, could, you hardly can tell that they're related until a crisis happens. Then they come together. And it's going to be that way with some of the church family, too. The crisis will drive some away, and it will also drive some to become more unified and to work together. What is it that causes yeah. the, the produce? Hey, Go ahead, Percy. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think you made yeah, and I think she made it pretty clear in the uh, paragraph underneath uh, where it says superficial believers will will renounce the faith. That particular statement is in lieu of the shaking itself, because she says the work which the church has failed to do in a time of peace, which in prosperity, which we have now, so-called now, she will have to do in a terrible crisis under most discouraging forbidding circumstances. In other words, the events mm -hmm. that will come. It says the warnings that worldly conformity has silenced or withheld must be given under the fiercest opposition from enemies of the faith. In other words, this is this is truly going into uh, that, that fiercest time, Sunday Blue Law and all of that. And it says, and at that time, the superficial conservative is not here, distinguishing theological conservatives from the liberal counterparts, she is describing those who put worldly conformity first and God's call second. So, in other words, those are the ones. That's when that you really begin to see who's real and who's not real. Mm. Hmm. Uh, so, what I was I wanted to ask a question too. Was so, what are the indicators of a superficial, uh, spiritually superficiality? What what what's the um, what are the indicators of that? Well, again, I, I, I agree with uh, Lee and, and uh, I think it was Paul earlier who said only God knows the heart. But if we're looking for so-called indicators, certainly those indicators would be those who, who are straight up against the word of God and, and what God has deemed mm -hmm. to be correct. Mm -hmm. So I got another question. So how do we know if we have... <laughs> Spiritual superficiality, or if we're the real thing, how do we know? 
Well, you yeah. know by your fruit. <laughs> <tell> you, <laughs> you know by your fruit because you can look at your life right now and evaluate when circumstances happen. How do you react to to trials and tribulations? Mm -hmm. Do you just blame God? Do you stop coming to church? When things break down, the money gets tight, you stop returning tithe and rely on your on your default position, which is your own way out. So you, <laughs> there are certain indicators that you can look at your life right now on a daily basis to see how do you react to life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would like to. Hey, let me let me expound that. Hold, hold on. Go ahead, Tori. Uh, this question that you, you that you just proposed, uh, Sister Lakita. The first thing we need to understand: we have all studied and researched what the Bible have said about various categories in life itself. Uh, but when we look at that question in particular that you just proposed to us, the Bible teaches us that we have two identifying marks. So if you don't know where you stand with Christ, then there's number one, that something wrong with you. The identifying marks is we are keeping God's commandments. That means he is governing our lives. That's how we know we're not superficial, number one. And two, we have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the spirit of prophecy, which we are obeying those counsels of what the testimony, again, it is governing our lives with its warnings and with all the information that is provided for us, amen? Okay. Well, I would, say, I would say that, but then the Bible says this, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, who can know it but God? And also David says, search me, O Lord, um, and search my heart so that I may know. So really, those things that you said, that's, you know, that's on the rim of the, what I would consider I would the, say, I would say, the peripheral, the peripheral the rim. Is the, um, above all things you can know about God. Okay, I'm getting and some feedback. David said, search my heart so that I may um, know. So, so really, the hurts. thing is, those things that you said, that's, you know, that's somebody needs to meet on the okay. YouTube as go. well. Okay, so so for me is you know as we grow as I grow as I go along, I discover some stuff about myself that I didn't know five years ago, and I wonder to myself, had I died five years ago, would I have been saved? Though there are things within us because the Bible says it, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. So but God doesn't count those things that we or have not been convicted of against that's us. That's a good point. If you don't know sin, huh? She said I said that's point. a good point. I agree. Go ahead, Christine. So, no, that's, I mean, that's basic to me. Um, if you haven't come, he said that he will lead you into all truth. He didn't say overnight you're going to have he's going to unveil everything to you. So it, it's definitely a relationship with God and knowing where you stand with God is a daily walk with him. Amen. But that wasn't the question. Yeah. The question, whoa, whoa, let me, let me interject really right now. Your question was, how do you know that we are not superficial? And I hear what you guys are saying. My no, answer. No, no, it was, how do I know if I, me personally. Right. That's what I'm I saying. Am, okay, okay. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. When I say we i'm putting all of us in it like where oh, we're okay. examining we're examining ourselves it's you in the third person so we're examining okay. ourselves how do we know that we are not you know superficial the reason mm -hmm. why you know you're not superficial or let me speak for myself as a <laughs> christian as i have uh, accepted jesus christ as my lord and savior and i have done that and my heart is pure to know that he is the son of god and I believe his atoning sacrifice on Calvary Cross have cleansed me from sin. Doesn't mean that I may not sin against him again, because now I believe I'm under mercy and grace. But the reason why I know I'm not a fake 
or I'm not superficial because my heart is connected with God and I want to do the thing that is pleasing to him is obey. It comes back to the, uh, the commandment keeping people because the only the commandment keeper people is going to go to heaven because heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And the only way we're going to be prepared for that is we are having a relationship with That's Jesus right. Christ and his relation and the relationship with him. He is only asking us since we don't know how to live. He gave us 10 principles to keep. Amen. Uh, also, also, Lakita, in, in reference, and I, I think I kind of sort of get what, what you're saying and how you're looking at it from that perspective. But when, when I'm talking, and I can only speak for myself, but knowing that the Lord says that there is no good in us, you know, and like you said, the heart is deceitfully evil. Understanding that, he also gave me some tools by which to overcome uh, and Paul said it earlier, by the fruits you shall know them, those are indicators that I'm going in the right direction. But truly, the thing that helps me to know that I'm not superficial is my faith in God. God says without it, it is impossible to, to please him. And so I have to keep my faith. I won't allow for my faith to be demented so that I don't believe that I'm true and honest with God. And whatever cleaning needs to be done, that's what David was talking about. And so I, that's why I'm in there. How do I know? Because of my faith. Mm -hmm. Amen. And also we have to remember that the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us. The Holy Spirit is going to let us know if we're not on the right, right path and things that we need to do and things that we should not do. One thing is pointed out is that the Bible says, these things I write unto you that you may know that you are saved. So we can know by God's Holy Spirit leading and guiding us and doing his will. Uh, one thing that we can't do is know if someone else is saved. That's not our job. That's why it says these things are right, that you may know that you are saved, not that you may know that Paul or Percy or Christine or Lakita is saved. That's not my job. I'm working on myself with fear and trembling. Uh, look at this where it says the straight testimony produces a shaking. The straight testimony produces a shaking. She writes, I asked the meaning of the shaking I had seen was shown that it would be caused by the straight testimony called forth by the counsel of the true witness to the Laodiceans. What exactly is the straight testimony and who is the true witness? What is the straight testimony and who's the true witness? Well, I think the straight testimony is just the unwatered down word of God and the true witness is Jesus. So, okay. Anyone else? Well, the message to the um, Laodicean church was that you need to repent. You are you originally priests with goods and they have need of nothing. So you don't realize your own spiritual bankruptcy. But see, the, the, the pretenders will not, they will get upset with that message of repentance because they don't feel like they need to repent. And so that's going to anger them and they won't endure that straight testimony. Hmm. Anyone else? True witness, straight testimony. Well, I think it's repeat. Okay, on this sentence on uh, page 175, uh, paragraph four, it says, uh, they despise the straight testimony that reaches the heart and will rejoice to see everyone silenced who gives reproof. So I'm thinking the testimony is that when we are reproved of our state of mind, our state of uh, spirituality, reproved of sin, then that's going to cause a shaking of the church how many of you like to be told that you need to make a change <laughs> nobody likes to be told that they need to make a change right well, let, so if let, we're studying god's word what'd you say paul i said if you're sick and the doctor said you want to live you want to continue to live or get better you got to make a change you don't <laughs> you want do to ultimately but if, 
you do ultimately. But if you like drinking and smoking and the doctor says you got to quit drinking and smoking, you're going to deny it at first. You're going to deny it. You're going to get mad. You're not going to want to change till ultimately you have to come to the realization I need to make a change. So when we're hearing God's straight testimony and it is asking us to repent from our ways, to change the way that we're doing things, to change uh, some of the things that we're doing, some of the things that we believe, some of the things that we think, some people not going to stand for it. And they're just going to say, hey, forget this. I'm going to do what I want to do and I'll go elsewhere and do it. So the straight testimony is going to cause a shaking in the church. Go ahead. But you Hmm. know, Elder, if you... If you put it, if you put it, and you ask the Holy Spirit to penetrate your heart, you, as a Christian, you know that if you love the Lord, not because you're afraid of Him, but if you love Him, you're going to do anything possible for the person that set that, that came down from heaven and died on Calvary for you. You should be um, putting it, making it meaningful in your heart with His words that I'm going to do everything God asks me to do because He came and saved me. And he loved me. And if you love God, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. Anyone else? Um, I, have, I have something to say, um, say about it. As it, mm-hmm. as it as in connection with the um, true testimony, uh, how, relation, how related is it to the Ten Commandments? Because, you know, everybody going to say, everybody will say different churches, different religion, different denomination. They know the word of God and they, mm-hmm. they, they lived it. But um, as it relates to the Ten Commandments, uh, in particular with the Fourth Commandment, you only find that there are only a few um, denominations that observe these, the commandments of God. But the, the, my question is, how, how does it relate to the Ten Commandments? How does the straight testimony relate to the Ten Commandments? Mm-mm. Is it is it is it talking about the, the, the Ten Commandments or is it talking about um, something else? Okay, what are your thoughts, anyone? Well, I think that certainly, you know, um, when you talk about living a, a Christ-like and a Christian life, the Ten Commandments are at are, are a transcript of God's character. And so, yes, I think you're talking about, definitely talking about the Ten Commandments. I think, though, that each one of us in our Christian walk, we are at different places on the road. And there's different things that we each have to overcome. And so I think the, the straight testimony, as, as um, so I don't know who was saying it, but I think the straight testimony deals with those things that each one of us individually has to overcome and we don't want to hear it. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to hear, oh, well, you need to stop doing this and start doing that. Or you need to, you know what I'm saying? We don't want to hear it. That, like, like for instance, there's some things as a Christian we should say no to. There's other things as a Christian we should say yes to. So the, I think the straight mm-hmm. testimony involves both as, as, as it relates to us. And so the people that are going to be shaken out is going to be because they don't like the truth. They don't like hearing the truth. Now I have to say this too, that we as a church don't do well at going to people in love <laughs> and stuff in love. So that's something that we're going to have Karen, to work on as a church. Karen, do, Amen. You think too, Amen. do you think if you're telling me something that I don't want to hear about myself, do you really think that I'm going to pick up some love and I really just don't want to hear it? No, I don't think you're going to pick up love, but I think that if I'm the one coming to you telling you something about yourself, then I, I think don't want to hear that I need to pray first. I need to ask the Lord to tell me how to say it, how to bring it to you. But yeah, no, I mean, those that are going to be shaken out, they don't want to hear no kind of way, no way you could, you could put, you know, sugar and icing on top and they just, they don't care. They don't want to hear it. And they're going to be shaken out. There's going to be many that are just going to be shaken out because the truth is they think they're fine the way that they are. And they don't want to do anything different. I think too, as a sister, if I don't know something that I'm doing and it's based on scripture and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to continue to lead me, the Holy Spirit may have led you to me to say, this is what you're doing, but it, it, it's, it's, it's because you don't understand it. And I'll work with you and I will pray together and we'll study together until That's you get it. 
And I think as a person like me, I, do, I want somebody to tell me if this is not right. Let me give you an example. I've learned so much from being in your class about Ellen White. I knew very little other than I knew she was a prophet. I knew Seventh-day Adventists believed in her. And then I got bits and pieces. Once I was able to study and, and study like a whole chapter on where those bits and pieces came from, it started to connect. These are things you need to change. These are things you need to work on. And the Holy Spirit is going to be there with you as he guides you and leads you. If only you open your heart and you be willing to that. And I think it has to be a willingness when someone comes in love. Now, everybody's not going to come to you in love. I know that for a fact. But the ones who do, and even the ones who come in anger, if you stop and think later and you say, I'm going to pray for that person, but then you stop and think, what did they really say to you? They may not have said it in the way you wanted to hear it, but they got it out and it made you go back and say, Holy Spirit, work with me. Yeah, also, okay. I, I just wanted to say in reference to uh, Lakita's question too, you know, if you're coming to me and it doesn't, how do you think I'm going to hear that? You know, oftentimes we just as individuals, even though it's something we don't want to hear, just the simple fact that it was stated, we heard it. We may not have accepted it at that time, but we heard it. And the result of that is, is not love it because the Lord says that this message will not return unto him void. He says that even though you may not accepted it at that point, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit stops working. It presses forward, and at some point in time, it's going to give the realization whether we like it or not. And Sister White said in this statement here, which was phenomenal to me, she says, I asked the meaning of the shaking, and he said, I had seen and was shown that it would be caused by the straight testimony called forth by the counsel of the true witness to the lay of the sins. It says, this will have its effect, not it may, but this will have its effect upon the heart of the receiver and will and will lead him to exalt the standard. And they're talking about of the receiver, meaning that either you accept it or you don't. And it says, and will lead him to exalt the standard, talking about the testimonies, and, and pour forth the straight truth. Well, and in, in, in lieu to the testimonies. The testimonies are not just the Ten Commandments, but it's God's word in its full totality as it leads us and directs us. Amen. Excellent. Straight testimony. Is it all the word of God? Uh, Patsy was correct on that. Idealistically, yeah, we would allow that testimony, straight testimony to touch our hearts and lead us to walk straight on the Lord's pathway of righteousness. But then, as Percy also mentioned, some people just not going to have it. That human nature rises up. The ego gets in the way. Uh, right. We feel that uh, as uh, all your buddy, uh, Pastor uh, Annie Jackson used to say, we get that bow in our back and we, <laughs> we just don't want to hear it from anybody. And it says, too, that some among us will make confession finally, but like Aiken, too late to save themselves. So right. we need to, uh, not, the best thing for us is to be open to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. The Lord will lead other people to you. He can mm -hmm. speak to you, but he can also lead others to come and give you a word of knowledge or wisdom as well. And we have to have an open mind that God can reach us in many different ways. Not always the way we want, but we, again, have to be receptive of his Holy Spirit, however it comes. That's just one way people are going to be lost. Then it goes on on page 176, unjust criticism is going to cause people to leave the church. Basically, folks lying on them. You know, it's a shame. People are going to be lying on them. Then it also says false doctrines will draw some people away uh, because people don't understand how powerful and great God is. Men are quick to make up their own theories. I uh, know that Kwame and I, we always talk about how we like watching these documentaries and then the people say, uh, you're going along good, enjoying the documentary. Then they say, well, 50 billion years ago, the earth was formed, you know, when a volcano erupted and killed all the dinosaurs. <laughs> That's just man's false science, so-called, because some people don't accept that God is so powerful that he can create the world in seven, six literal days. 
They just can't believe that God can be that powerful. So they just make up theories. And there's a lot of people who would be lost because of those false theories. So there's going to be a lot of things going on. Uh, one thing that's going to protect us is, as we had mentioned earlier, don't be a superficial Christian. It takes study. It takes prayer. It takes witnessing. It takes understanding. It takes accepting God's Holy Spirit speaking to us to have that foundation and that relationship with him. If we're just the type that just want to be uh, Seventh-day Adventist only on the seventh day or only love the Lord when he shows his love to us, that's not going to keep us when the persecution starts. It's going to take more than that. So we always have to have our hearts and our minds open to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding us. And on page 177, it says, the enemy will bring in false theories, such as the doctrine that there is no sanctuary. That's one, another thing that people are going to leave the church over belief in the sanctuary or not belief in the sanctuary, over people lying about them, over false scientific theories that people put out. Uh, says rejection of the testimonies also. Karen, you reading the testimonies oh. volumes now. Uh, the Seventh-day Adventists will take their stand under Satan's banner, will first give up their faith in the warnings and reproofs contained in the testimonies of God's spirit. What do you think about that? People who give up first their belief in the testimonies. Well, I think that it's like creeping compromise. You know, uh, you start one place and you end up a whole different place. And she says further on that, you know, they start with that and then they're going to end up giving up their belief in the word of God. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting when she talked about, um, they're no longer going to believe in the sanctuary, but the Bible says thy way, O God is in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And so the way to heaven is a thorough understanding and application in our lives of the sanctuary message. And so, you know, I was thinking about that today and I was thinking about the altar, the burnt altar or burnt offering. And many of us are stuck there at that place in, in the sanctuary because we, we refuse to die to self. We refuse to crucify self. And so we mm. haven't even gotten inside the actual sanctuary yet because we still in the outer court. <laughs> Interesting. What do y'all think about that? People will deny the testimonies and allow themselves to be laid out by Satan. I mean, the, uh, she herself says the, the um, her message is the lesser light pointing to the greater light. So when we decide to turn off one light, you know, the other light is going to be dim too. You know, we're not reading the spirit of prophecy. Also, when you look at the uh, prophets of old, you know, the reason um, the Israelites went in and out of captivity so often is because they refused to listen to the prophets of old. They refused to um, hear and understand. Also, I call those, you know, those are the people that are called scoffers in the Bible, you know, don't believe in the truth and stuff. And it's not acceptable. I'm just going to say this. And I know everybody going to jump on me, but it's not acceptable for us to, uh, I hear so often, well, that's not a testing truth. Anything that you know is a truth is a test for you. Anything that you know is a truth. So if you say, I believe and accept Ellen G. White, you know, as a prophet of God, but then you decide, I don't, I don't believe in um, the sanctuary message, or I don't believe in, you know, the dietary, you know, the, uh, the dietary message. I don't believe in tithe. Now, if you start picking and choosing, then pretty soon you're not going to want to do anything. It's just easier to float downstream. And it's easier to just become that person that's sitting, we're just sitting on those pews, just waiting for something to shake, for an earthquake to come along, and then we're just knocked off of that. It's gone. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I wanted to say that, that uh, the Bible do say that, you know, we must guard the evidence of our heart and, and that we need to test all things, you know, um, our doctrine too. And, 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 and one of the reasons is that, you know, um, in the church, you know, there are going to be many people who, who, who speak eloquently and who have a lot of influence on us as members. And so, you know, um, if we do not, if we are not careful, we're not careful you know, in, in even scrutinizing too, you know, we can do that. That's okay. Um, we are going to cut in the web 
of some of these um some of these ministers who 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 who, who we you know give our public to preach and at the end of the day they're the ones who are going to leave our church um for one as sister white mentioned that you know even a testimony i remember in jamaica there was an elder he didn't he didn't use sister white writing at all in none of his sermons because he didn't believe in it and i'm like you know that's that's a shame because it would be it, it would seem fear if the persons out there in the world do not believe in her writing but for you and i who who, who believe in the, the seventh day adventist um doctrines to say that you know we don't believe in it then um it's like we're just we're, we're speaking we're saying it to others but we don't believe it ourselves and that's sad amen karen did you still have to leave at 3 30. uh-huh yeah okay let me finish up with this uh on page 178 says the enemy has made his masterfully efforts to unsettle the faith of our own people in the testimonies and the proverb 29 18 says where there is no vision the people perish uh sister white has given us some vision about god's plan for us through the testimonies it says is satan's plan to weaken the faith of god's people in the testimonies because next follows skepticism in regard to the vital points of our faith the pillars of our position then doubt as to the Holy Scriptures, and then downward march to perdition. When the testimonies which were once believed are doubted and given up, Satan knows the deceived ones will not stop at this, and he redoubles his effort till he launches in them into open rebellion, which becomes incurable and ends in destruction. So we have to, as O'Mill said, guard the avenues of our soul because the devil has a lot of tricks to get us. And while we might be looking on the left hand, he's over on the right. When we look on the right, he's on the left. We look in front, he's behind. He's always up to something. So we have to be very careful that we don't allow God's word to slip past us in any form or fashion, whether it's the Holy Scriptures themselves or the testimonies or a beautiful message given in sermon or a prayer meeting thought or whatever it may be. We want to take hold of the word of God, hold on to his unchanging hand, because the shaking is coming. As Percy said, it will come as as it has been prophesied. We just need to make sure that we're holding on to our relationship with Christ, not just staying where we're at, but moving forward to a closer walk with him. Amen. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, we only were able to get through half. So uh, next time we study uh, last day events will start on page 178. Defection among church leaders will start there. Def- uh, O'Mill kind of hit on it a little bit. <laughs> Defection <laughs> among church leaders. Doesn't that sound amazing that the oh, church leaders man. will be leaving the church? Man, wow. Yeah. Got to stay prayed up, right? Got to stay mm-hmm. prayed up and on the Lord's side at all times. So if we could uh, ask Brother Paul to close us out with prayer. And then, well, next next week, Karen, Testimonies, Chapter 65? Correct. Okay. Go ahead, Paul. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're grateful, Lord, for the time that we've spent, Lord. We pray that we will not be satisfied with formalism, Lord. And we will dedicate our lives to you, Lord, every day. We'll die daily, Lord, and search our hearts, Lord, and say, what must we do to be saved, Lord? We want to be a Christian in our hearts, not a superficial Christianity, but a real heartfelt Christianity, Lord. So bless us, Lord, and keep us to this end, as I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. Be blessed. Stay safe. All right, guys. Have a great week. Yeah. Mm-hmm.